Hi, everybody, and welcome back. It's Krista Living Sober, and we're here for my next episode. Enjoy. It's Krista Living Sober, and today we have Haley, also known as Recovery Baddie on Instagram, joining me on my podcast. So welcome, Haley. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, hi. Would you hi, would you like to tell the audience and listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, first off, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, yeah, my name's Haley. I am 35. Um, I'm from Washington, D.C. I am a grateful alcoholic in recovery. Um, I just celebrated 18 months. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a wild ride, but um, this life in recovery is so fantastic. Like, I just, I I can't even with how how good life is today. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that so much. So a year and a half. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, the funny part is, is I didn't even know it was, this is how like out of like touch I am and terrible at math. Like everyone kept saying happy, happy, uh, year and a half, like happy birthday and a half. And I was like, what? I didn't even like, I didn't even do the math. Like I was like, oh, it's a year and a half. That's a huge milestone, dude. Yeah. I had no idea until it happened. Yeah. Oh my God. I can remember when I had a year and a half and I was like, yes, like I just never saw myself getting there. You know, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your drug of choice? I have pretty much dabbled in most things, but alcohol is what brought me to my knees and brought me into recovery. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Feel you. When did you start using or drinking alcohol? When was your first taste of it? I grew up with, um, with like parents that worked really hard and also entertained a lot and there was always alcohol around and I think like my first like taste of it when was when I was really really little I had a I had like a little bit of a wine cooler because I was like always trying to do things I knew I wasn't supposed to do (laughs) and um, (laughs) my first like drink um where I like got my first drunk and my first like fall in love with the with with alcohol was when I was 15 and I got trashed and I could not wait to do it again. Oh yeah. That like instant feeling of, wow, like there's something that 
like will help me escape from reality and yes. all this shit that you didn't want to fail at that age totally exactly mm-hmm. so how was your family dynamics like it was you had a good childhood like there isn't too much like you know trauma or anything like what happened so I was adopted I oh, was me too Oh, get out. Yeah. yeah. When were you <laughs> yeah. adopt like were you adopted like closely after birth or like a little later? Yeah. Well, I'm five years old, I believe. Five years oh, old. But God. I was in the same house since um I was an infant just because my mom was on drugs. So they had to place me into emergency foster care right away. But mm-hmm. I never got moved around, luckily. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um that's amazing. I'm so glad you got um you got adopted because you know when you're in the system for a long time like it's just it's like another statistic you know it's not always a good a good thing but um yeah Yeah, there's horror stories that you hear it's so sad but it is so sad I actually like would love to do foster um parenting and adopt at some point I want to get like a little further along in recovery but I would absolutely love to be a foster mom or yeah. a long-term foster parent um you know but anyway um, yeah one day one day um I yeah so I was born in Washington DC my birth mom was 15 and my birth father was 19 um have no idea who they are uh closed adoption my parents were two army officers and they um adopted us but they got uh, my sister and I, but they got divorced really, really shortly after I was adopted, like so early in my childhood that it's like pretty unclear. Um, I think I was like two or three when they got divorced and it was just me, my mom and my sister when we were growing up. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that there was, um, significant trauma but my mom was not always the most stable she was very overwhelmed she was active duty um we didn't have a lot of money and she had her you know her own mental health things and her own trauma that kind of um affected her later in life and you know she did the best she could but we had to grow up kind of fast and we had to learn how to take care of ourselves and um I think like you know my sister's normal she's not an alcoholic or an addict and she uh you know had the same upbringing as me we talk about like the things we went through and um she's been more open about how certain things and events affected her but um she was just able to not feel everything she was able and I don't know if she did that because she was the older sister and she had to protect me and be strong for me but she is fine she's you know she's she's okay but I've just always been the sibling that like felt everything at a very Mm -hmm. early age I had so much anxiety I was always worried if mom wasn't I was afraid of being alone I was afraid of being less yeah you know and so early I'm sorry yeah so no it's okay I totally get that though like like do you feel because of the adoption like that affected you somehow because I always had this feeling of I don't want to be abandoned but ever since birth because we weren't with our birth mothers there's just like this always empty void that we're trying to fill because we feel so alone and I feel like that just somehow impacted us in different ways than some other people 
I would absolutely agree with that. Um, my mom was very open with us being adopted and we had all the books and, you know, she would always tell us that like we were chosen, you know, and that made us special. And my sister like believed that, like she believed and was like, yeah, we're special because mom and dad chose us, you know? And, um, I always was like, wondering like who they were where they were why it didn't work out I just had all these questions my sister said on my fourth birthday that I blew out my or my fifth birthday I blew out my candles Mm -hmm. and I asked her if I if um she thought my real mom was thinking of me like at five and I just I don't know how I don't know why I just always wondered like who I was where I came from I just had so many questions from such an early age. And then because I didn't receive the information like my sister did in a positive light, like we were chosen, I received it as like, I'm a mistake. I wasn't supposed to be here. Nobody wants me. And like, if anything happens to my mom, I don't have anyone. And that like underlying sense of anxiety was like always with me. Like I was always afraid of being, because my dad was gone. He got stationed on the other side of the country. He was around, but he wasn't around. And I just felt like all my life when I was growing up, I had to hold on for dear life because I was afraid it was all going to be taken away. Yeah, I totally feel that so deeply. Anxiety was such a hard thing for me. I remember like looking back now and I'm like, I couldn't even talk in some like instances. Like I held everything in and like I was so overwhelmed, but drinking and drugging and like partying just like took all that away. It just became such an addiction, like such an outlet that lasted from age 12 to 28. I couldn't deal with reality. And I don't know about you, but it was just hard trying to fit in like racially, like in the town I grew up in because it was all white. My birth family is from Brockton. There's not so great place and um you know I never knew my dad either and then I got adopted by older white people and it was just so hard fitting in with like the black people or the white people like I didn't know what to do so misfits that was my crowd but yeah it it was tough it was so tough yeah yeah I definitely experienced that I was going to ask you if you were biracial and my mom I mean my mom was blonde hair blue she has blonde hair and blue eyes she's Norwegian like I'm and she's five too I'm almost six foot tall and I definitely don't have those features and in the early 90s and in our demographic too there weren't like multicultural uh mixed families we lived like in suburbs and um I definitely felt that not being white enough for the white kids black enough for the black kids Still, like people still are like why do you talk like that and I'm like oh I don't God, right <laughs> I'm like because yeah. I this like how am I supposed to talk you know like and- on one spectrum they're like you're black and then the other spectrum you're white and it's just like okay and like everyone yeah. always made fun of me like you're Cali I'm like what does that even mean like because I talk white like yeah like, whatever yes mm-hmm. yes started using at 15 at that moment do you think you were dependent on drinking on escaping like you knew like that was it from there like did you go to parties so I drank for the first time by myself I was completely alone I started having behavioral problems because I was just like 
a rowdy kid and I moved in with my dad my mom was like I can't do this you gotta move in with your dad and mm -hmm. I had like no supervision and I took a bottle of vodka out of his freezer and I was by myself and I took that sucker to the face. Um, I went to an all new school with all new people. I already had a hard enough time fitting in at like my old life with my mom, which is why I had like behavioral problems, right? Because like, yeah. I just couldn't get with it. I don't know how everyone else was able to be so normal because I was just like always in trouble. And I was like always <laughs> doing something I wasn't supposed to do. And so when I moved to my dad's house, I mean, it was like a pivotal time. I, I mean, it was a pivotal time in like a girl's life. Like I'm going through like development and like high school or middle school and high school. And yeah, I remember the second that vodka hit my system, like the second it got into my system. I was like, mm. this is it. Like this, that ease and comfort they talk about, right? Like this, it, yeah. I have arrived. Like, yeah. I don't care if I don't have any friends. I don't care if I don't fit in. I don't care if none of the preppy white kids like me because I'm not white enough. Like, I don't care that none of the black kids like me because I'm not black enough. Like, I have arrived. And then right. guess what happens when you start drinking and you have no supervision? Um, you get a lot of friends because yeah. people want to hang out with you. And I was like, this is what I've been missing all my life. So it was kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. There were always parties too, at least where I grew up. It was just like everybody drank over everything in Boston and Massachusetts. So it was just like, okay, like, this is yeah. what I'm doing. Like, you know, I tried to pay attention in school. I would leave to go get high. I would leave to go drink parties every weekend, you know, go into the dude's house where everyone smoked and drank after after school it was just a mess yeah I and that obviously school. progressed oh yeah yeah I got kicked out of two high schools I was the yeah. same like everyone in my neighborhood was like taking their SATs and getting into like you know fucking Georgetown law and shit and mm. I was like smoking blunts every single day skipping in school like selling weed uh I was doing all the things like I was so out of control <laughs> like, yeah. it was not even funny my dad did not know what the hell to do with me so he just didn't do anything yeah and I didn't really have any consequences either because he knew every cop in our county and like when I'd get oh, wow. picked up they would just call and be like Bob come get her and like yeah hey. I yeah, I was wild. I did not give a shit about Same. anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I always had a problem with authority. Like, I don't know why, but it was I was just such a little asshole when I got drunk. And, like, I just didn't care. Like, I got to that point where the red light switched on. And I was, like, a completely different fucking person. Yeah. Like, it was bad. Well, I didn't have anyone to bail me out all the time. But, like, you know, my parents did, you know, the best they could. And eventually at 17 that's when I put myself in a dual diagnosis like I, I knew I needed to do that um yeah but before that I was just like in that a court dealing with like so much bullshit at such a young age I'm like why me like no one else is doing this but I right. don't think it was a problem then did your life become unmanageable to the point you needed to get help did you ever seek I out help Oh, I think I could have benefited from maybe going to get help. Like, I know my dad tried to get me to see therapists because I was also very angry and didn't like authority. I was a very angry, um, like, adolescent. And I know he tried to get me to see therapists, but, like, I don't think he knew the extent of, like, my usage. Like, I think he just thought, like, okay, she's out of control and wild. But, like, he didn't know I was, like, 
you know, sleeping with dudes twice my age and like selling drugs and shit. Like he didn't know, or he just didn't want to know. So I did not think my life was unmanageable. I thought like my delusional mindset was like, this is what like we do. Like, this is how I live. And like, when I'm ready to like buckle down and like maybe go to community college or get a job, that's what I'll do. And that's what I did when I was in my twenties. I was like, okay, I want to grow up a little bit now. Um, And I did. And Mm -hmm. I went to school and I got a job in administration and I still worked at bars. I made a lot of money. I still did drugs and I still drank, but like Mm -hmm. I had good work ethic and I had good grades. um, And I, I was able to have that balance. It never even dawned on me that I was an addict or an alcoholic Mm -hmm. until August of 2020. Until then you were more functioning. Right. It was like a functioning thing. What was the date you said? August. August 28, 2020. What happened then? So basically, I had had a really rough few years. You know, I had a relationship with my son's father. Uh, I had a son. I had a really traumatic birth and delivery with my son. I was diagnosed with um, lymphoma 11 days after I had my son. Uh, then when I went into remission and I finished chemo, my son's father, uh, left me for my best friend. I had a lot. Yeah. I had a lot of shit go down in a very short period of time. And like, I was a, I didn't drink during my pregnancy. I was like a normal girl. I was working, as an executive assistant for a national company, like I was stable. Um, My relationship wasn't very stable, but you know, I didn't have any self-worth. So I figured that's just how things are supposed to be. Right. And um, yeah, I, I had a really hard time dealing with all that stuff, but I was a mom now. I had like this tiny little human that needed me. So I just kept it moving. I was in and out of court with my son's father, like fighting over like, custody and child support and all this other shit and visitation and I mean we weren't even divorced but I was like or we weren't even married you know but it like cost me as much as a divorce would just to get away from this guy when my son started going with his dad I just realized that like I started drinking a lot more because I didn't have anything to do I didn't have any distraction and like all the like trauma that I kind of just shoved down because I needed to keep moving right like I never learned any coping skills when I was an adolescent because I spent my whole adolescence doing drugs and drinking so I never learned how to fucking deal with anything I was just like I was a grown-up but I had the emotional maturity of like a 21 year old so like I didn't deal with any of those things that happened and um I drank and I drank and then drinking excessively when my son wasn't around turned into drinking excessively when he was around and then it turned into drinking in the morning and drinking during the day and I have no idea how that happened but it happened and um I tried to quit and I was hospitalized for withdrawals and that was pretty much when I was like okay this is bigger than me like I have a problem I can't stop on my own because There were a million times I said, I'm not going to do this again. Like I woke up in a random person's house and I'm like, okay, I'm 30 fucking five. I cannot Mm. be doing this shit. Like I'm too old for this shit. I would say that all the time. And yet I would still do it. Oh yeah. It's that's, 
the freaking what is it the um the obsession the disease the insanity yes that's crazy and it does creep up on you so much you know like at first you're like oh this is not a problem and then like how did I get here yeah you know for me it was like eventually blackouts ended up in hospitals crazy shit fighting friends just you know and then eventually ending up in the hospital again not knowing what's going on and having that spiritual awakening and that was enough you know nothing bad ever happened like when you were with your son like DCF never got called like DCF never like... got called. Um, my mm-hmm. parents were very worried. You know, they knew okay. I was. Um, I'm not sure how often they were communicating about like what was going on, yeah. but found out, you know, after I left for rehab, that my family was very concerned, and I'm sure they would have had to intervene at some point. You know, I mm-hmm. I like busted my finger open while my son was here once, and we all mm-hmm. had to cart ourselves to the hospital. Like mm-hmm. I never did anything. There's no neglect or any abuse or anything yeah. like that. But like. I just wasn't always very present with him. And like, Mm -hmm. I know that when I would drink, I'd get very sad. And I know that he, he, he could see that. And he would say that like, mom, are you going to drink wine? I don't want you to drink wine. Mm -hmm. Cause when you drink wine, you get sad. And like that crushed me. Like that played over and over in my head when I went to rehab, just Mm -hmm. him telling me that. So he was definitely old enough to understand. And, um, you know, I have my living amends with him now. I, I think I made a lot of excuses back then. Like kids got fresh ass kicks on his feet. I've never missed, you know, uh, a basketball game. I've never done this, but like, you know, all that's well and good. But if he's seeing me, you know, breaking down because I can't cope, then um, that he doesn't feel safe. That's not okay. And that really ate me up for a long time. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's so hard. You ended up in the hospital and then you put yourself into treatment. Um, what kind of treatment did you did you go to? Yeah, I went to uh I I tried to quit and I kept having issues quitting. Mm-hmm. It was I just kept getting like violently ill. And then I didn't know anything about rehab and no right. one was you know, no one intervened, no one even suggested it. I just got on Google and was wow. like you know, Googling all the things like, how do you stop drinking? How do you stop doing this? How do you know if you need to go to rehab? And then I just Googled a rehab. I called them and um, they were like, you know how rehabs are. They were like, we'll buy you a plane ticket right now. We'll bring you out right yeah. now. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. You're like, I'm just getting info. Yeah. I'm like, I'm new to dog. this. But I ended up talking to a woman and like, as I was talking to her, I could tell that like, she was at one point, like in her lifetime she was exactly where I was sitting and she was like there's never going to be a good time no one just calls like rehabs and you know treatment centers if they don't need you know help Mm -hmm. like take this take this help now and so I did and I thought I was crazy I thought I was overreacting I thought like this was a huge mistake and I went down to Florida um it was a 30 day in treatment but what they didn't tell me is that you have to go to detox before you go into like the PHP level the 30 day level and holy shit I arrived in Riviera Beach in the middle of the hood in detox and I was like 
terrified Isn't i was it like, crazy how they put like some homes or detoxes like in the worst places like what the hell yes what? i was like what the fuck this is yeah. not what they had on the internet and they were like oh you're gonna detox and do your taper here and then you're gonna go to the next level and i was like oh no 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 i'm going home like this is some mm-hmm. bullshit i don't need this like y'all are addicts and alcoholics mm-hmm. i am not an addict or alcoholic like, this you're like i'm good crazy. now I honestly did. I was like, I don't, I don't belong here. And I was comparing myself out for 13 days in detox. I was insisting that like, this was a horrible mistake and that I was tripping and that I need to go home. And, um, it took 13 days in detox for me to like really surrender and really admit to innermost self that like every time I've put a mood or mind altering substance in my body, like, I have not had, my life has become completely unmanageable. There is no recreational use for Haley. Like I either go balls to the fucking wall and ruin my life and right. like burn everything down around me or I'm pregnant and I don't use it all, you know, in my right. life, is, you know, and, and that's just how it was. And when I opened my eyes up to that, I had these tiny little windows in my history where like I had my shit together, right? Like in my early twenties, I like had my shit together and I was like, I can do this normally. I've done it before, but like, I, I really had to take a look at my timeline Mm -hmm. and realize that like, I don't think I could ever go back to drinking again. And that was a completely new concept to me. I had never heard of abstinence when they said, I thought I was going into rehab and I was going to go home a normal drinker. When they said the idea is that you never pick up again, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, no, 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 no. That's (laughs) insanity. Uh, That was the deal. And I took it and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, girl. Yeah. It's just like a smack in the face all at once. When you go through it, you're like, shit. And then... Oh, you're like I can never go back to my real life I mean there were plenty of times where I went into rehab and then I got out and did the same shit over and over you right. know I just needed that that one that one spiritual weekend that one moment that one aha like when you're just you know rock bottom that I yeah. needed <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I think sitting in that detox and like looking around and realizing where I had ended up, whether it was a mistake or not, because I was still lying to myself and telling myself yeah. that like, this was a terrible mistake I'd made and that I didn't belong there. I think underneath it, I was like, this is where we are because I am that small percentage. <laughs> it's just not that small of people that like has a problem and needs yeah. help. And mm-hmm. I just turned it over. I was like... Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix this. I've tried fixing it my way. If they can tell me how I can get rid of this misery and never be away from my son for this long again, then like I'll fucking do it. And that's what I did. And I've been doing it ever since. So program, do they, was it faith-based, spiritual? Uh, do they do the 12 step? It was 12 step based. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Plastered everywhere. Yeah. All over the, yeah. How are you with the faith behind everything? Like, do you believe in the higher power? Do you believe in a God of your own understanding? And like you gave your your life over to that kind of like, and that yeah. helped you? 
Yeah, I definitely. So I believed in God, you know, we were raised Lutheran, I believe, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't very like religious at all. But like, I always had a little Mm -hmm. bit of like spirituality. But I was like, not super uncomfortable with the whole God thing. I was I was happy to admit that there was something bigger than me out there. I was like, my what's what's happening with me and my body right now is bigger than me. Like this problem that I have is bigger than me. So I had no problem saying that, Um, I believed in something greater than myself, believing that that thing that was greater Mm -hmm. than myself could get me out of the trouble that I was in was what was hard for me. I was like, there's no way that I can just believe in this person, right? Or this non-person and that like, they're going to take all this away. So that I had to kind of, I had to do like my fourth step and my fifth step before I really felt um, that spiritual connection, you know, before I, I wasn't just checking off the boxes for my sponsor, praying and, and asking for the willingness and shit. Like after my fifth step, when I felt God be like, all right, girl, like, I know you can see me now. I can see you like, let's fucking do this, you know? But before that, I was just like, I can say all day there's a God. I believe in God, but like he ain't going to fucking fix this. I'm the one that's going to have to fix this, you know, which is true. I don't really have the power, but I have the action, Mm -hmm. right? So I am doing something, but like now I know that like if I had the choice myself, I wouldn't be doing any of this shit. Like it is my higher power that gives me like the strength and gives me the willingness to do this shit because like left to my own devices, I will sit right here on this fucking couch and wallow in like the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, you know? Same. Yeah, totally. Like there's a fine line between taking things into your own hand and trying to control things that are outside of your control, right? We have the choice to like just give it over and then let, you know, the power greater than ourselves handle that and it takes so much weight off it's hard to admit at first obviously yeah but every day I still have to I take control all the time back and Mm -hmm. you're right it's such a um it's such a relief when you're like okay I don't have any control over this situation the only thing I can control is like what my next like move is that's going to be of service like where I'm going to be most of service and useful you know and like that makes things so much fucking easier like just being like okay well I don't know what the answer is but like where would I be where would I be most of service and most useful to someone right now and it just it makes things a lot less yeah chaotic yes Mm mm-hmm and you were able to go home. And so what are some of the ways that you stay sober on a day-to-day basis? Like the 12 steps, do, do those still help you? Do you have your own kind of recovery in the works every day? So, yeah, I do. I, I came home from rehab and I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about recovery except for what they told me. And I took every single suggestion. The only suggestion I didn't take because I'm a dumbass is not to date in the first year. Oh, yeah. I immediately found <laughs> Who I listens went to, to that rule. <laughs> yeah. I was the only one I didn't listen to. I, uh, I met some guy. I went to outpatient up here. I went to like <laughs> intensive outpatient. So I continued my care when I came home and I met some dude in there and he ended up relapsing. So, but like, I was fine. I was just like, yeah. yo, you get your shit together but anyway um I did my 90 and 90 I went to meetings every day sometimes I went to like three meetings a day it was in the middle of COVID I lost my job I didn't know what else to do with myself so I hopped on meetings online like all day long and I found a sponsor and I started working on the steps like immediately and yeah I still work 
the steps now. Now I sponsor other women, you know, like I, every morning I get up and I do like my rituals, you know, I read my daily reflection and like my prayer and meditation for the day. And, you know, I just thank God for like waking me up another day in recovery. And I remind myself that, you know, I'm an alcoholic every day because my disease likes to tell me that like, I'm not sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got home, I completely immersed myself in like recovery culture. You know, I got on this Instagram thing and I found this whole huge community and that was a lifesaver. I honestly don't know if I'd still be sober if I didn't find this community because like, mm-hmm. I just feel like if I was out there on my own, just going to like meetings a couple times a week, but trying to live this life where I was just going into church basements, you know, every couple of days mm-hmm. that like, I, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be so um, involved in my recovery, you know, and mm-hmm. I probably would have given up on it. And that's why I encourage people to really find their people and find this community because like, it's so much easier when you have it in your face all fucking day. Like it's so much easier to remember that like, you don't have to pick up, you don't have to drink. And that if you feel like you want to, like there's a, your phone is full of like a bunch of reasons why you shouldn't and why you don't have to like, because everyone else understands what you're going through and like, let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. I totally love that I mean I wish I found this online community sooner but I am so glad that I did because all the connections I'm making and like you're right like it needs to be in your face on a constant because that's what you know keeps you out of the the mind of relapse or you know the isolation and yeah all the things that may lead to you know not the right choices right Right. the recovery scene online has been so amazing you know yeah it's awesome and I love it because you know we're not alone and I always have we always let that (laughs) yeah you know and it it is hard to reach out sometimes you know for some people but I feel like it's a little bit easier uh, over the internet you know it is yeah and I mean you can talk to people all over the globe like there's some things that that I met on IG that I don't even tell women in my home group you know like there's a there's something to be said for like someone who's like on the other side of the world or the other side of the country that like you know you can trust and like share with that you may not be ready to tell anybody that's like close enough to you you may not be ready to receive like hands-on help with it you know you may and I'm so grateful for this community every day is your family so supportive in your life today like do you still have support and like a good supportive foundation for your recovery yes yeah my family is super supportive like my family is just amazing my mom my mom was the only one that was kind of with it when I went to rehab she was like I don't think Haley understands she can never drink again and she's right (laughs) I had no fucking idea uh that I couldn't drink again and my dad I think he was kind of just like, okay, like Haley's had a rough few years. Like she's got a shit bag for a baby daddy and like she Mm -hmm. had cancer and like all this stuff. And I think he was like, she just needs to like chill out, you know, but now he's, you know, I don't know if he's convinced I'm an alcoholic, but he certainly doesn't try to say that I'm not. He's like very proud of like the program that I work and like whatever keeps me sober, Mm -hmm. whatever I do that works, like keep doing it. (laughs) Right. They have to notice, like, the person we were before to the person we are now, right? I mean, yeah, my, my adopted mom knew, like, always, yeah. you're drinking again, like, uh, and I, like, was such an asshole. Oh, so, so was 
Yeah. <laughs> what ways has the sobriety, this newfound sobriety, changed your life? Oh my god! Like I know, there's an- so many, but <laughs> so many every facet. Um, I think just like my emotional regulation. You know, like mm-hmm. I was so extreme in active addiction I was so anxious and so angry and so emotional like now I mean I just can't I and if you if I was feeling fine but somebody talking to me was very emotional I always met them exactly where they're at like I always matched their energy and like now my energy is like so fucking precious to me like if you come into my like space with some bullshit I'm like empathetic right I cannot meet you where you're at right now like I you know I'm just very like chill yeah I mean you got to put up those boundaries that like are so new now but we have to like it's okay to set those we didn't know that before yes yeah yeah like good vibes only (laughs) good vibes only for real and um I just think like everybody could kind of like take a dose of that you know like there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world right now but like Mm. honestly there's nothing I can do everything's completely out of my control like the only thing I can do is like the next right thing and like raise a good little human you know that's going to be part of the future there's like nothing else that I can do and I think that that's kind of like that's been major for me because I would always feel everything you know even from early age like I was saying I felt everything Mm. the whole world's burdens I always felt you know and now I'm like that's not my cross to bear that's not my shit like Mm -hmm. I can't control that and um that's been huge for me because Mm. my level of anxiety would just be shooting through the roof and my relationships with people I'd say those are the top things like Mm -hmm. I did not have any fucking friends when I went to rehab. I burned every relationship I had down to the ground. My family loved me, but they were terrified of me. And now it's just like my dad and I, I've never seen my dad laugh and smile so much. And my sister's really happy and my mom's really happy. You know, I definitely didn't know how she was going to feel. She's very like conservative and like mm-hmm. Midwest and, when I put all my business out there online, I thought she was going to be like, I don't like this, but she's been very, I think it still makes her uncomfortable, but she's been very like supportive of my journey and like how I carry myself on a platform uh, like this. And it's just been great. Yeah. And that's wonderful that they all support you and have come to like an understanding. Cause I mean, that's what we need and that helps us grow too. And Yes. It's also amazing that, you know, you change your life around because I say that we can break these generational curses, right? Like by being sober mothers and it's yes. just, it's going to be good for them when they're older because then you know, they don't have to deal with what we dealt with. Exactly. Right? What message or life lesson have you learned from your own recovery that you can share with others? I think the most significant thing I've learned in my recovery is you know, a lot of really bad things happened in my life. I've been failed a lot. I've been violated a lot. I've been, I've been hurt a lot. I've gone through a lot of shit. I didn't think God didn't exist. I thought he existed and he just forgot about me, Yeah, you know, like that's how I felt. And, um, Mm -hmm. 
I felt the pain of my entire life. Anything I ever experienced that was painful, I felt it every single day. Like mm -hmm. I could not escape it. I could not get out of that place where I was just hurt and in pain. Mm -hmm. I could push through it for a few hours at a time, but like once my eyelids closed and it was just me and my thoughts, like mm -hmm. I felt it all every day. And like in recovery now, I've turned that like pain into purpose and I've turned that like mm -hmm. that pain into into someone who can communicate with other people and let them know they're not alone you know like as cliche as it sounds like my pain and like all my traumas have turned into like my power like yeah. I am no longer do I wish some of the things that happened happened like no but quite honestly I wouldn't go back and change anything right it's lessons uh, that we yeah we had to learn to make yeah. to put us directly where we are now exactly yeah. and um I think like also forgiving yourself you know mm -hmm. like I don't think I would have ever stayed in recovery if I didn't believe I honestly deserved this and like when I first got here I didn't think I deserved this I thought that I was a broken person that did broken mm -hmm. shit and this is just how my life was going to be and I just need to bear down and pray for the best until it was mm -hmm. over and like mm -hmm. I I feel like that's a common a common thing people don't get help because they don't feel like they fucking deserve it they're like what's the yeah. point i'm a piece of shit i'm a bad mom i'm a bad daughter and like that's not true that's our disease that mm -hmm. lies but to get us alone forgive yourself let someone love you until you yeah. learn to love yourself and like let's do this together you know because yeah. I never would have stayed if I didn't believe I deserved it. And I did not believe I deserved it. I was like, my son deserves it. Mm -hmm. And now I do believe that I deserve this quality of life. And you know what? We all deserve that. Everybody in the world deserves love and happiness and a good life. And uh, it's just it just brings me back to like those moments where I would be in so much pain and I'd be like, you know, I just don't want to feel this pain like never again. And you know, that cycle just keeps happening over and over mm -hmm. and uh, the darkness, I call it, it's just so bad. And, yeah. You know, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but the light is so beautiful in yeah. sobriety and recovery and there's no words. It's just that serenity that we are able to feel. Yes. Um, it's beautiful. And even doing stuff like this is going to help somebody. Yeah. So that's amazing that you sponsor other people and like that we come to a place where we're able to guide other people and help other people and pull them out of that darkness because yes and I love that giving back it's a beautiful place we can recover we do recover yes yes I love that. yes and mm -hmm. even if it doesn't feel like it I promise you it is possible mm -hmm. I did not think I was going to escape that darkness I thought mm -hmm. darkness was just my life and yeah. I accepted that I was never going to truly be happy and that some people are just like that. And like, you know, that is not the case. It doesn't have to be that way. I know that like whoever's listening probably carries a lot of like guilt and shame about things. And like, we all did things that we, we didn't think we'd ever do. And you're not alone. That's we so get true. <laughs> We're here. We get it. We've yeah. been in your shoes. Yeah. If you could give some sober advice to the listeners, if they're sober curious, if they're still struggling, or if they are already in recovery, uh, what is the best thing to start doing? Stay close to this community, man. Yeah. Like, 
I couldn't think of anything to do until I got on IG and started looking at like what other people were doing to deal with like cravings and boredom and like my sugar fucking addiction that replaced my <laughs> other addiction. <laughs> like, I, yeah, happy cigarettes and then having to quit that. <laughs> yes, vaping, like yeah. all this shit. Um, even like porno, like I just did all <laughs> sorts of weird shit, like all sorts of weird shit to transfer my this uh-huh. addictive energy um mm-hmm. and it's just it's funny so get online and like talk to us about mm-hmm. it don't try to like navigate shit alone like if you're sober curious or you're mm-hmm. already in recovery and you're doing it by yourself like that sucks you don't it have does it <laughs> with us because it's fun it's entertaining and like it's just so much better when you have support and you have people that like hold you accountable and also um encourage you at the same time hell yeah <laughs> i love that so yes if you're listening jump on instagram reach out to Haley or me or anybody mm-hmm. you know there's like this huge recovery scene online it's freaking awesome anybody and they will always answer you it doesn't matter just what we do if you say i need to talk to somebody i will fucking office and i will go outside of my car and i will call you because that is what Mm -hmm. we do like i don't care what time if i'm asleep i'll hit you up in the morning you know like i don't Mm -hmm. care what time of day or night it is like reach out i will always reach back if you need Mm -hmm. help yes and then finally what are you most grateful for today and why and it can be more than one thing because i know we're grateful for so many things but i'm grateful for the people that came before me and invented Mm. my program every single day i'm grateful for my program i'm grateful for you know my higher power that gave me like the willingness and the openness and the honesty to do this damn thing and um i'm grateful for platforms like this, you know, where I can connect with other people in recovery and we can talk and people can listen and be either inspired or feel less alone or um, feel a connection. Because honestly, like I tried exploring some other ways of recovery and like, this is the best way for me, like connection with other people. I cannot do this shit. Like I can't think my way in or out of recovery. Like I try to, Um, I have to connect with other people and that's what keeps me sober every day. So I'm very grateful for these connections and these platforms because like, honestly, I, I don't know how to recover any other way. And I don't think I'd be able to. Amen to that. Amen. (laughs) Yay. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's been an honor talking with you. You should wake up and like do a live or something. That would be so cool. Yes, absolutely. Let me know. I'll be there. All right. All right. Um, Early congrats. When do you do oh, the thank third? you. The third, but who knows, right? <laughs> I don't who know. Who knows? So oh exciting. God. Thank you. Um, I'll message you. Okay. All right, yeah. girl. You have a good day, okay? Alrighty, you as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye
Thank you.